0: What is wisdom? What does that word even mean? How can we implement wisdom in our everyday lives? Psychiatrist and executive coach Dr. Sunil invites you to join him on a transformational and sacred quest to experience meaning, purpose, and fun in both your life and work. These podcasts will not only empower you to wisely navigate through a confusing world, but to grow in body, mind and spirit, which will ultimately have us Dancing with Wisdom.
1: Hello and welcome to the Dancing with Wisdom podcast with me, Snora Heijer, as we explore different issues about making sense of life. Well, today we've got a very special guest. We're bringing back an old friend, John Wyatt. John, it's great to have you with us. Yeah, thanks, Sunil. It's great to be here. Yeah, and it's so good to have you again. Uh, For those who are regular listeners and watchers, we've had John in the past on podcast numbers 17, 49, and 50 on the cheerful subjects of death and dying. So uh, John said to me he doesn't want to get the reputation of being Mr. Death, uh, do you? <laughs> but, yeah, no, but I'm afraid that's the sort
2: of thing I do. I do life and death, but mainly death.
1: <laughs> John is very much alive, just to add. But, I mean, for those previous podcasts, they were actually very helpful understandings of really what we well, we call them the last taboo subject and the strange adventure we must all take and really exploring issues around... What does it mean to die well? And what it means to die well is to really live well. And also the current debates going on about assisted dying and the conversations about the right to die and the dangers of that. So I really want to encourage you, if you're interested in those subjects, to go back to those podcasts. But today, uh, John and I, we're going to talk about the subject of friendship And friendship is so much a part of what it means to be human. In Dancing with Wisdom, we talk about those four basic questions of life, being, relating, doing, and leaving. And this is about relating. We're made for relationships. As human beings, life doesn't make sense without relationships. And yet at the same time, we have to acknowledge that we live in a world that although we're amazingly connected to our computers and to iPhones, We've also incredibly lonely. I mean, studies show that as much as 23% of people in the UK, I think it's 22% in the US, would describe themselves as feeling lonely most of the time. And the other thing about friendship is that there's a lot of suspicion around it. And the reason for that is that, particularly in our media, in so many circles, we hear how relationships and friendships have been manipulated, exploited, and even led to the worst kinds of abuse. So we really question what is friendship and what, what's it about? So, if, so, John, maybe a good place to start is just to ask you that very basic question. What is friendship?
2: Yeah, and of course, it's one of those uh, words which is, is incredibly difficult to define. But I think all of us, as we look back at our lives, we can think of certain relationships where we just connected mm. at a deep level with another human being. As I look back on my life, I've had the privilege of some wonderful profound friendships, right from the time when I was a student. And many of those friendships have actually survived over the last 40, 40 years as, as people with whom I just have a deep yeah. sense of sharing, a deep sense of connection. So so what I'm talking about is not a kind of superficial contact. Yes,
1: yeah, so we talk about Facebook friends, for example. Yeah. I mean, that's a phrase that's used so much. It yeah. is.
2: And it, and it doesn't mean much at all. Mm. Uh, I'm talking about the kind of deep sense of connection, which sometimes yeah. just happens with a, with another human being. Yes, and, and a lot of it is about sharing yourself. It's about sharing and listening to the other and finding some kind of deep bond. So there's something that's really quite wonderful in that, in a sense, we're
1: talking about, you know, in terms of the best understanding of friendship, that you become more human, you become more of yourself. through Absolutely.
2: That. So the fascinating thing is, it's almost like you can't be yourself, you can't mm. really be who you were made to be, until you find yes. some of these deep bonds with other human yes. beings.
1: You're, you remind me, C.S. Lewis talks about, he has a story about, I think, a, a friend of his, there, th- there were three friends, himself, I'm going to forget get So let's let's call them Charles and Dick, as it were, and Jack. Jack, Charles, and Dick. And I think when Dick died, he says that not only did they lose Dick, he lost a part of Charles that would laugh at Dick's jokes. Yeah. yeah. So there was something. Yeah. Did you get anything? Yeah,
2: and I think one of the wonderful things about anybody who's experienced something like this is, you know, I think you use the word, it's joyful. There is something just that act of connection is not just, okay, we've connected, but wow, this connection is something wonderful, something inspiring, something fulfilling. And I think it therefore taps into something very deep about what it means to be here. Yes. So that's
1: that's a very positive thing. And yet we have to acknowledge, if we think about those particular two issues that, that I alluded to earlier, one is that a lot of people feel very lonely loneliness is endemic i think you know the uk i don't know who it is at the moment but the uk has had a minister of loneliness as well let's talk about that and we'll talk about the the other issue in a minute as well yeah
2: yeah and you know part of the thing is that these kind of deep really intimate sharing friendships they don't happen automatically no they actually need to be fed to be built yes to be nurtured And one of the things that's happened in our modern world is I think that people have just lost the skill of, of how you go about building that kind of friendship. Yes,
1: So we've got this wonderful idea about what friendship could be. And we're losing that school. You're writing a book on friendship and you're sort of processing lots of ideas. And so it's a great privilege to have you here to explore. I've had the privilege of looking at some of your early drafts of, of, of the book as well. Uh, and so it's great that we're still in the exploratory phase. And I very much want this, these conversations to be friends talking about friendship. So there's that wonderful ideal. We've acknowledged that a lot of people feel very lonely, even though technology gives us this amazing ease of connection with anybody, anytime around the world. And then obviously there's a tragedy of the exploitation, the abuse, the manipulation of friendship. And in the media over the last, you know, few years, we've had some really terrible stories where people have gone w- with with trust and with expectation and not just been deeply disappointed, but been deeply wounded.
2: Yeah, we have indeed. And And I think the truth is that these kind of, corruption, the corrupt kind of friendships, I think have been around since the dawn of time.
1: Yes. But it's, it's not new. It's not, not new. It's not new.
2: Um, and, and the kind of control and and abuse and manipulation that unfortunately comes into relationships. But I think it's really just in the last decade or so, there's been such a, a focus on, on abusive relationships. And I think this has meant that there's a much greater level of suspicion. So yes. now if we hear about people spending a lot of time together, doing things together, very often people sort of say, I wonder what's going on there. Yes. Why Why are they doing that? That's a bit weird.
1: And there must be something dark and deadly yes. going on, really. I, and, I, th- yeah. I, th-
2: I think that's right. And I've come across this phrase, the hermeneutic of suspicion. Mm. Which is an interesting phrase. So, what does hermeneutic mean? Yeah. What is, so, what, hermeneutics where? is one of those technical terms, it, and actually, literally, what it means is is how to interpret a document. How to when you, so that people talk about the hermeneutics uh, of the Bible, for instance, or of some ancient manuscript. How how do you interpret what the what was the author trying to say, and so on? But it's also used about relationships. How do I interpret? Okay. I'm watching this relationship between yes. two other human beings. Yes, and the hermeneutics of suspicion says, you know, I bet there's something, I bet yes. things are not what they seem. These two
1: men have a close friendship. Is there something sexual going on between uh, them?
2: Exactly. And and ultimately, the suspicious mind says it's either sex or power mm. or both. Right. So either these men going off and spending time together are really in a homoerotic Relationship. There's some. They're getting some kind of sexual thrill from it, or else one of them, the more powerful one, is is in some way manipulating or abusing the weaker person for their own ends. It's all about me.
1: Yes. So we've got to be mindful. Of that. And, and in these podcasts, we're going to, as it were, explore these different areas. And I think in this podcast that we're having now, I very much want to, let's start with the positive ideal of, of where we're trying to go in terms of the inspiration of friendship. We talk about intentional friendship in a good sense. Obviously, intentional friendship can be manipulated and used for terrible evil. But let's think about. The positive side first, and then we're going to explore the, uh, those other areas later on. Because I think wisdom, in a sense, and dancing with wisdom, is really about being realistic about the potential pitfalls and the evil that is out there,
2: Absolutely. but not being
1: drowning, but not drowning in it. Yeah. So,
2: so we have to be wise, and that means we have to be wise about every aspect of life, and that means we have to be wise about our friendships. And I think part of the problem is that because people have not thought much about friendship, how and how it can go wrong, yes. they're not aware of what the warning signs are. What are the warning signs yes. when a friendship is starting to become and unhealthy? We, we, and we'll that certainly explore we'll that,
1: that back later, later back that, on, yeah. the warning signs at like that. So, in a sense, just, just laying the foundations in, in, in this conversation, we've established the importance of friendship and, and the fact that we've lost that, that realisation because we, we're so blasé, we're so casual. About friendships, they don't really matter. Oh, I do you know. And I suppose there's something, there's this kind of the myth of, of the self made man or woman, you know, is that I don't really need friends. I don't really need to show my weakness or vulnerability. Well, I'm certain, and I've obviously got to be careful because that weakness and vulnerability can be exploited or abused. So certainly. But then we'd sort of, as it were, throw the baby out with the bathwater. I know that somebody who's influenced you a lot and had a profound impact on you and inspired you about the power of friendships in a very positive way is somebody called John Stott. So why don't you tell us a little bit about who John Stott was and the impact he had on you, but not just you, I think on lots of people. And one of them, I mean, he was far from perfect as anybody, nobody's perfect and we, we all have up, but overall the legacy of his life, the wake he left with his life has been one of profound gratitude and inspiration and don't all of us want that to be said about our lives?
2: Yes, and and it was something which you know seemed to be very much like an accident. I, I happened to So, 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 so who, who John Stott yeah, was So, first. John Stott is a name who people who look back on the 20th century and and the history of Christianity say that he was probably one of the two or three most significant Christian leaders of the of the 20th century, and uh, he was a very well known author, and international speaker and was was instrumental in a number of movements uh within particularly within the church of england but also in the wider christian community across the world yes. uh, so he was he was quite a, a significant figure but none so he of that, achieved a lot yes he did but he touched um, many lives but and the that, way he achieved it i think
1: is fascinating yeah
2: and yeah. and it is and I started going to this church in central London, All souls Which we church, both go to, All Souls. I, I've been going there for more than 40 years. Yes. I arrived as a medical student, and uh, he was the rector of the church at that time. The, the, uh, the, the, the chief the, honcho. The chief, the chief, the leader, the, the leader honcho, yes. And, and I only saw him really from a distance, you know, and he was this very impressive figure in the pulpit and preaching these very, very... Very clear, communicator. and very clear sermons, communicator. Very clear, yeah, and 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 fascinating. And and I was certainly drawn to him, but as as a kind of distant figure, I thought you know I, I loved listening to his sermons, and we must have exchanged only a few words over over several years. But then after I'd been there as an, a number of years, and I was sort of coming toward the end of my time as a as a medical student and about to qualify as a doctor, yes, I got a message. Uh, sent to me personally, would you like to come and have a cup of coffee with me? And uh, I was completely bowled over and thought this was really very strange. And uh, to be honest, I was rather worried. It was a bit like being asked to see the headmaster in in his study. And I was wondering what terrible offence I had been guilty of, you know. And I went along. He lived in this tiny little bachelor pad at the back of the rectory. It was literally a sort of two rooms like uh, with a, a tiny little kitchen and, and where he welcomed me himself and solemnly, I can still remember, he's <laughs> solemnly presented me with a cup of instant coffee and a digestive <laughs> biscuit. Okay, and, uh, and we proceeded to have this conversation. And to my utter amazement, he was just clearly interested in me and saying, you know, uh, what's it like being a medical student? And what are you reading at the moment? And how are you finally coming to the church? And uh, how can I pray for you? Mm. I I was amazed. And so he was intentionally building up a friendship. So a very
1: important man with lots of responsibilities. He was making time for you. Yeah. yeah. I
2: mean, I was a complete nobody. He was absolutely the peak of his powers. He was was, uh, an internationally Mm. recognized name. And yet, uh he wanted to spend time with me, and yes. um we ended up having a a very close friendship which lasted for forty years and we We spent wow. many hours together. I used to go bird watching him with her sometimes and spending time uh, talking uh, and and later on. I became part of a small group. He 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 set up an, a small accountability group of people. Who it was just the
1: reading weren't... group, was it? That they...
2: Well, it was something that he called an accountability group of elders. They liked the age. And the fact that I was quite young, and mm. not really an elder at all, but I was there to provide medical. I became a sort of unofficial physician. Yes. And, uh, but then towards the end of his life, you know, it was like, you know, once we as we started this friendship, he was this enormously respected figure. And I, I was uh, just someone in my early 20s and very yes. wet behind the ears. But 40 years later, I was accompanying him in his, in his final weeks and months. And so you were almost he was, like,
1: because a, like, like a, he, he wasn't married, so like, you, you were like a son to him in a sense. Well, I
2: was. I, I, and actually, there were a number of us. I Certainly, I don't want to imply that there was something special about me. There were a whole group of young men in particular mm. that he uh, developed these very deep, Friendships with, and I think at times we we sort of sensed in, uh, that we were like his his children, and and he was like a, a spiritual father in some way. And again, I think that friendship was was absolutely transformative in my life. In nice. fact, you know what I learned from him, and particularly just from seeing the way he lived, as yes. well as the things that really yes. that really that he was concerned about sharing his heart, really changed my life.
1: Well, I just think because. He also, I might have got this wrong, but he also encouraged you to carry on in medicine. Do you want to say that? He, yeah.
2: Yes, no, he, he did. Um, because at one stage, uh, when I was uh, a few years later, I, I was so impressed by his example as, as a preacher and Bible teacher mm. that I was seriously wondering whether, in fact, I should give up medicine mm. and train as a pastor and become like him. Yes. And I remember quite a natural talking, thing to do, yeah. yeah. Quite, yeah. yeah. And, and I remember talking with him about it privately and and, and we shared and I shared some things about about his and so on. And 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 then my memory is that he sort of gently pushed back mm. and said, Well, of course you must do what you feel is right, but I can't help feeling that God has called you into the world of medicine and maybe you should stay where you are and be a a witness uh, in the world in which God has placed you. And when I look back now, 40 years later in my life, I can see he was absolutely right. That
0: is. But he did it in a very
1: wise way. He didn't tell you. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't tell you. He suggested that to you. And then he left the decision to you. Yes, he did. And Although he was clear where he was coming from. He was clear the way he was seeing it, as it were.
2: Yes, but he was very, I mean, when sometimes you asked his advice, you know, do you think I should do this? I should do that. Nearly always he would push back and he'd say, it's not for me to tell you what you should do. I mean, what you need to think about is, and then he would sort of raise some questions for you to think about. So, you know, when I look back now, uh, particularly after these scandals of of abuse and manipulation, and I'm trying to think, can I think, you know, was he actually manipulating me? Was he pressurizing me? Was he abusing me in some way? And I have to say, you know, I, I can't think of a single incident where I felt in some way he was using yes. undue Yeah, uh, and that is a wonderful abuse. thing to
1: say because we live in a world that's so cynical, that's always looking, well, you, you use the phrase the hermeneutic of suspicion, mm. uh, which we'll talk about in the next podcast, but there's all this negative uh, cynicism. I can't of any yeah. other word around it, really.
2: I think there is, and I, and I think, you know, because the sad thing about these Terrible scandals, particularly scandals which have involved Christian leaders mm. where it's turned we out should that, know these, a lot better. that these eminent <laughs> should, people yeah. who you who everyone looked up to and thought yeah. they were wonderful, shining examples. Yes. Then it turns out there's a whole aspect of their lives That's right. which are really abusive and horrible.
1: Yes.
2: And that immediately makes you suspicious because you know maybe there's some new scandal going to that's right yeah and therefore much better not to trust anybody much better to just say well let's yes let's hold back and the problem
1: with that is that we then lose we deny a part of our own humanity
0: yeah because i I think that's right
1: because we are made for a nation i think what's also quite inspiring about john as well is that you know you've given us something of your own story but there are lots of people who had positive stories to tell i mean i'm again there's a story, he went to somewhere, was it in South America somewhere? And a boy who'd read his books, a young boy. Uh, t- tell us that story,
2: yeah. Yes, um, so uh, as I'm trying to write a book on this um, topic. And so one of the things I've been doing is trying to link up with people who knew Stotters and friendship and ask them what was the influence, what did they learn from him mm. and how did the friendship work in their lives to try to piece together a picture. And so I've had, I've had the privilege of, of 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 talking to a number of people. And one particular story is uh, of uh, a man called Sal Cruz, who was a a very young, I think 13 or 14-year-old boy Mm. in Mexico. And he managed to get a copy of of, uh, one of John Stott's books, one of his early books called Basic Christianity, uh, which had been translated into Spanish. And uh, this 13-year-old boy read the book and was fascinated by it, and even wrote off to <laughs> John Stott through the yes. publisher. Before with, email with, or anything like that, with, you know, it's, 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 he it's wrote, a, sort of a long, he wrote torturous a letter route. With a a letter with a whole series of questions. Yes. And it was replied by his uh, Stott's secretary, Francis Whitehead, who wrote him back this, this letter saying that, unfortunately, John Stott wouldn't be able to reply in person, but he was actually visiting Mexico and would be giving some talks. And this... Boy decided to hitchhike across the country. Apparently, that he was. This was nine or ten hours away wow. from where, wow. from where John Stott was was giving some talks. He hitchhiked by himself mm. uh, across the country in order yeah. to try, try and hear Stott speak. And the story was that he he was so tired at the end of his journey that he actually made it to the meeting and then fell asleep on the back row. Yeah. Stott gave his was there and gave, gave a talk and then as they were sort of dispersing he woke up and as the room was emptied they discovered this 13 year old boy and so he was uh the people who were staying with that stopped was staying with a with a family a christian family yeah and they they said have, have you got anywhere to go and he said no he said would you like to come to our to our home and, right and uh, which is and and you could have dinner with us so so this 13 year old boy was uh, invited to stay with his for, family for dinner and, and, yeah. and talk to Stott. And Stott apparently sort of worked out and recognized who this boy was and went for a long walk with him in order to answer all his questions. Mm. Uh, and then the question was, what were they going to do that night? And mm. uh, he didn't have anywhere to stay. And so the people whose house he was said, well, why didn't you stay with us? And apparently, Sal. This is a 13-year-old boy, had, had very, very muddy boots. And yes. he, he'd walked into the house, and they had immaculate white carpet, <laughs> no, and he no. felt terribly no. yeah. embarrassed about his boots. Yeah. And so he, he'd taken his boots off, and he put them under the bed where he was uh, in in the bedroom where he was staying. And apparently, uh, in the morning, he woke up, and he couldn't find his boots under, under mm. the um, and so he he talked to the maid, there was a maid in the house. They were obviously quite a wealthy family, and they said, um, Sal said to the maid, Have you have you taken my boots? Have you uh, and he said no. And then he found his boots and they were they were immaculately polished, and <laughs> cleaned. And anyway, it turned out it was Stott who'd done it. Yes. And Stott had found his boots. This famous global world leader. <laughs> and th- he had, had done it, yeah. He had just polished the shoes. And Sal said, Oh, you shouldn't do that. And he said, Well, I felt that I should do something for you. I wanted to do something. Yes. yes. Um, And it was just that sort of, and he didn't do it for any, to make a point, to, it was simply an expression of love. And that, that, it was that, it was the way he lived that was, that was so, that drew you to him. There was something about the character of his life, his authenticity, his humility. Uh, despite the fact that he was such a well-known figure, that was just very striking. And, yes. and, and his interest in the nobodies. he's beautiful, I mean, yeah. It, so I'm sure there would be all kinds of powerful people in Mexico mm. that Stock could be spending time with. Yes. And instead he chooses to yes. spend his time with this nobody of a 13-year-old. Yes. But of course, the story doesn't end there. That This boy, Al grows up yeah to be a very significant person in mexico yes. he's hes he initiates a whole number of Christian work in including work amongst the poorest of the poor uh, in Mexico and the friendship with Stott, and with then he marries and with the family and with the children yeah sadly Sal died and and uh, recently, but I've never had the chance to talk to him about this so the story I've got was actually from his his wife and also oh, from right. his children. Well, because that, this story was very significant and was repeated amongst the children and and, and the children also had a relationship with uncle john they sure. called him you know now
1: isn't I mean, isn't that just a wonderful example of how transformational friendship can be and the potential for good that friendship can do in a world that is so cynical that is so confused and chaotic that friendships can do enormous good and not just for the individual but across generations, and as you said, you know, he had a huge influence on your life and the work that you're doing now. I think that's a really exciting way to think about looking at friendship with wisdom, being aware of the dangers and pitfalls, not excluding them, but knowing that the light is so much brighter than the darkness uh, and holding on to that. And I think, obviously, John's faith, John Stott's faith, was so deeply rooted, embedded, that it was able to, as it were, overcome, yeah, a friendship with a thirteen-year-old boy, with all the, you know, in, in our day and age, we would look at with such suspicion.
2: Well, you see, that's what's so interesting and concerning well. to me, isn't it? Yeah. You know, that that nowadays we would say, well, here's this sort of, you know, international leader, and he's spending time with this thirteen-year-old yeah. boy. And there are
1: people, who, there are international leaders who have done terrible yeah. things with young with a- young children. Absolutely,
2: yeah. and yeah. so immediately mm. the question is, well, that doesn't sound appropriate, and you know, was was what, what mm. about the safeguarding issues? And yeah, and so. And I think, so, the danger, therefore, is that these kind of intergenerational friendships, because there's a very well-known example in the Bible, which is the relationship between Paul the Apostle and Timothy, who yes. was a young man. Yes. And so, I think, because often these are called Paul-Timothy relationships, yes. I mean, of both sexes, not you know, and sometimes across the, genders, the sexes yeah. and the genders. But... I think these intergenerational friendships are, in fact, incredibly important, and they still yes, are, and even they still now are. in the
1: 2020s. Well, thank you, Johnny. You've really opened up and given us some, some beautiful examples of, of the positive side of friendship to inspire and encourage us that in this crazy world that we live in, and cynical world, that there is a wonderful way forward through our faith in Christ and, and with God, what, what could be possible. And we're going to carry on this conversation, and I look forward to unpacking this more. Thank you so much. Thank you.
0: You've been listening to the Dancing with Wisdom podcast, presented by Sunil Raheja. For details on the Dancing with Wisdom book and its accompanying workbook, please visit drsunil.com. If you know someone who would enjoy this podcast, then please share it, give a thumbs up on YouTube, and help it grow by leaving a nice review. Life's challenges can diminish, define, or develop you. Which will it be? make sure you hunger for the wise one the choice is yours